All right. Good morning, everybody. As you find your seats, I just want to welcome you here today. How are you guys doing today? That's right. I'm going to have, we're going to need some energy in here today. I'm used to people talking back to me. I am one of the pastors on staff. Uh, my name is Ed Blaze. I work primarily with the junior high youth ministry. And, I mean, it is so great to be here. It's such an honor to be here with all you guys, uh, with all you guests, and with everybody here today. For those of you that will be listening later in the week, we're so happy to have you all here today. So, first of all, I just want to make mention what, we're, what we got, what I got wearing here, what I got wearing here. Oh man, I'm off to a good start. What I'm wearing here is my one T-shirt. If you guys didn't remember, the youth department has been wearing these. This isn't just a new fashion statement where um, you know the Pastor Nate and I look really, really homeless. Okay, this is actually for the uh, the my one shirt offering that we're doing. What's happening in the youth department is we are a part of this this drive called My One Shirt, where 60% of the poorest poor only have one t-shirt, which is the people that usually get reached with Speed of Light. So a lot of our students, our youth staff are rocking these one shirts. So that's what this is about. So that's what I'm wearing today. I, I will be honest, I did take a break and I wore my Packers jersey on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Which, which yep, you, you know what I got because I did that. So the Packers... The Packers got beat, but it is, it is so good to be here. We are starting this uh, brand new series that's going to be focused in, in drawing a lot of parallels from the, the life and the story of Scrooge, which is going to be awesome. Isn't this, isn't this set great? Is anybody excited for, for the Scrooge production? Man, we've got people that have been working on that super hard. That's going to be awesome. That's December 13th through the 15th. I've never actually seen New Life's Scrooge before. So I'm excited. That's, I think it's going to be a, a wonderful opportunity. It, it's such a unique story, and it's such a great story. So it, it's going to be a huge outreach for you to invite your friends. I just want to encourage you to do that. But we're going to focus today on Christmas past. Everybody say Christmas past. Okay, let's do that one more time. Christmas past. Okay, very good. So Christmas past. So we're going to focus in today kind of on the past. I know sometimes when... When people say the word past, everybody kind of shudders a little bit. Maybe. Some of you guys do. Some of you guys are like, oh, man, I love looking on the past. Some of you guys that are in here are like, uh, let's not talk about the past. I've had way more years than you've been alive, Pastor Ed. You know, some of those things where, where people are like, oh, I don't want to talk about the past because I've had some bad things happen in my past or I've, I've had this long history. Or some people really enjoy looking at the past. They get so focused on the past that they don't, focus on what's right in front of them. Am I right? There's so many different ideas and concepts of what it looks like to, to look at the past. And so, as we know, in, in the play Scrooge, the past shines a huge light onto Scrooge's life to help him see what's to come. Am I right about that? And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to use the past not as maybe uh, a big negative or a big a thing that gets us all feeling gross and nasty and, and focused on all the bad stuff. We're going to use it kind of like a doctor would use an x-ray. They're not going to bring out an x-ray and say, oh, man, you are such a horrible person. You broke 75 bones. No, they're going to say, hey, I see these bones are broken, and I want to help you get better. Right? So that's what we're going to do today. Somebody say amen. 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 So holiday time is one of the biggest times of the year I think that we have family memories. I hope that you guys have fun family memories. Uh, usually holiday memories are ones that float to the top of my mind when I think about the past because the holidays are always there. You can't get away from Thanksgiving. 
You can't get away from Christmas. They, every year, they're just there, right? And so holiday memories just are, are something that happens every single year consistently. So we usually have a lot of them. <laughs> One that floats to the top of my mind, I'll take you guys all the way back to Wednesday night. Uh, <laughs> um, this was the first year that we, we hosted Thanksgiving. Kylan and I are going on about eight months, I think, right? Seven months, okay. I was getting, I was, I'm so excited to be married that I was throwing an extra month in there. So we're, we've been married now for about seven months, right? Praise the Lord. And we hosted her family for Thanksgiving this year for the first time. And so that was kind of a big thing for us. We've been cleaning for a month now and getting everything ready to go and the family's coming in and, and Kyle's like, we gotta go out and we gotta, we gotta buy a, a cooler. I'm like, why do we need a cooler? She's like, well, I gotta, I gotta put the turkey in it. I'm like, why are you gonna put the turkey in a cooler? So, she, she, she used a brine. I didn't know what a brine was. I've never even heard that term before in my entire life. And so she like soaked the turkey and I'm like, why are you drowning the turkey? I don't understand. But it turned out really good. And so she, she's all excited. She's prepping and doing all this stuff. And her family gets here on Wednesday, Wednesday night. And one of the first things <laughs> that happens is her, this is what I love now about being married is her little, she has two little brothers and they're both, uh, they're both still in school. And they both come up to me and they always give me hugs first now. And it makes her so mad because they, because they like me, which is just awesome. I love that. I love those guys. And so they come up to me and they're like, hey, how's it going? They give me a hug and they're so excited. And I'm like, you guys are awesome. I love you guys. And they give uh, Kyle and I this picture. One of them drew this picture. And it's this picture of Kyle and I standing next to each other. And if, <laughs> and, <laughs> I can't, I can't make this up, I promise. And, and he's like, and, and the, and Kyle's little brother is like, yeah, this is you guys. Uh, Ed, I tried to draw you as bald as I possibly could. So it was accurate. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. And the whole family's just laughing. I'm like, oh, well, that's a great family memory for, for sure. It's true. Got my hairs cut this weekend. So looking extra bald. That's all right, though. It's, uh, it's all for the Lord. Anyways, so that, that's a great family memory. I think a lot of us have family memories where we just we, we get excited about things or sometimes maybe we, we get a little nervous about looking at the past and some things. So what I want to do today, for, for today, I want us to take off our shoes, if we could. Not actually take off our shoes, okay? I don't need any of that aurora, aurora, aroma in the place today. We don't need... Any of that stank smell? I do junior high ministry, so I'm a little used to it. I'll tell you what, if any, there's any parents out there that have picked up their junior high kids after we've done a dodgeball down in the gym, oh my, right? <laughs> no, you get, okay, all you, maybe you guys aren't junior high parents. You don't know what it smells like, but it is bad. So we need to keep our shoes on. But what I would like us to do today is if we can, imagine what it would look like if we were to slip off our own shoes and put ourselves in the shoes of somebody in the, in, the Old Testament, of somebody in the Bible. Because we want to ask ourselves, what, what does the past look like biblically? If we were somebody in the Old Testament, would we be able to know who Christ was? If we didn't have the New Testament, if we weren't able to stand where we're at today and look back and see the Old Testament and the New Testament and the life of Christ, the way we see it um, played out in the New Testament, would we still have the same relationship and value of God that we do? So would we have made the same choices if we were to put ourselves back in that time frame. That's what I would, that's what I want to think about. I want to, you know, ask, you know, would you have made the journey to the manger? If this big star appeared to you, would you have followed him? Would, 
would you have given up everything that you had to be homeless, to go on the road with this revolutionary? If, if Jesus met you at a waterhole and told you all of your sins and all the things you've ever done wrong, would you change your life and go for him? I think about what, what it would look like for me. If I was a religious leader at that time, would I have thought that Jesus was the true Messiah? Or would I have just thought that he was crazy and called for his death? What would my level and connection with the scriptures be? And, and what would my understanding of God be in this Messiah and this Savior be? Would I have followed Christ? Or, or wouldn't I have? That's the question that I really want us to get today, to see how important this plan for a Savior and how important this plan for Christ truly is. And a lot of times when I think about this, this concept, I think about the hearts of those guys that had a chance to follow Christ and those, and those men that were living in that time and what their hearts looked like. A lot of those, a lot of those men have been living and they needed a Savior and they were so focused in trying to find a Savior that they would get distracted. They, they knew the Scripture almost a little too well. They were focused on all these little things, but they didn't really hear the truth of what God was speaking to them. And I know sometimes that happens to me. I'll get so focused on something that's right in front of me, uh, some sort of a task or some sort of ministry or anything that distracts me from what God has originally called me to. And that takes us away from what God's original plan was. And as, I sh- as we shine this light into this past, the first thing that I really see is that the past really shows us our sin. All of us in this room all come from different backgrounds. No matter where you are at today, each one of us has sin in our lives. I know maybe some of you are here and you think, well, I've lived a pretty good life. Well, that's true. And a lot, and a lot of you guys have lived pretty good lives. But the reality is, is that sin has entered all of our lives. And we're going to take a look at that right in the very beginning in Genesis chapter 3, where we see sin enter our world and enter our lives and change our lives forever. See, this is the most important piece of of what our lives look like without Christ, is that we have sin in our lives. Because of a choice that was made a long time ago, it changes our lives. And this sin infects us and shifts our focus from God to so many other things. So in the very beginning, we see Adam and Eve. We see they're the first people created. God creates Adam. He says it's not good for man to be alone. So he does what? He creates woman. All the, every, all the husbands in the place say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. That's right. If you didn't, wives elbow your husbands in the stomach, in the rib that they're missing. Just kidding. Okay. So, <laughs> so we see that the, the two people live in the garden. Adam and Eve live in the garden. And as they live in the garden, they are given everything, except they're told to not eat the fruit from one tree, right? And they have the ability to do so many different things. They have dominion over all of this stuff. They can even eat fruit from the tree of life if they wanted to. God says they can eat from any tree that they want to, except for the tree of knowledge. And so what happens? Over time... Sin works its way in. The serpent comes in and it works its way in. And sin, we see, start to take its effect. It starts to shift their focus from what they had to what they didn't have. Before long, all they could focus and think on is what they didn't have, which was that one fruit from that one tree where they could have had everything else, but their focus becomes this, what they didn't have. And Doesn't that happen a lot in our lives? 
is maybe God calls you to, to do a life group and, and, and you start off your life group with passion and zeal and excitement and you're just so pumped and thrilled about that. But then over a couple of months you realize, oh, we don't have the numbers that I thought we'd have or this, this thing happened and it's not as good as this person's group or we start to focus on things that we don't have or maybe you've been volunteering in ministry and you've been focusing more on, you've been focusing more on the, the, the concept that you don't have or you've just been shifting your mindset from what, the original plan that God has for you, whatever that is, to something different because that's what happens to Adam and Eve. Sin begins to shift. And I want to look at this very first, this, this, uh, the first time we see a plan and a promise from God to give us a savior, to rid us of the sin. And it's really cool because it's right on the onset. It's right in the beginning when this happens, the very beginning when we see the fall happen. And it's in Genesis chapter three. And I'm going to look at verses 14 and 15. And what happens is Adam and Eve get found out and they go, they try to hide from God. And then all, then God finds them and he, and he tells them a few things. And this is what God says to the serpent. He's speaking directly to the serpent. And he says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed you are above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between her offspring and yours. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, if we're doing the Bible in a year, this is probably, or we're we're reading through the Old Testament in a fast fashion, this is probably a verse that might not jump out to us. But why why this jumps out and means so much is because this is the first place where we see the promise of a Savior. If you can look at that, what does it say? It says, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Who is the he that that God is referring to here? That's the Savior, the one who is going to, destroy the enemy who's going to crush the serpent, the one who's caused the sin to allow grace to come and to restore that connection and relationship with God. Right here, the problem, right here at the sin, God says, I have made a way and I have made a plan for you. That's one of the most exciting things that there is. If any of you guys here have ever been in a situation where you've had to be rebuked, Pastor Jeff preached a while ago about rebuking, and I know that there's been times in my life where I've had to be corrected. I've been stepped out of line. And one of the most refreshing and reassuring pieces of that whole process is when the person who has to, who has to rebuke comes alongside you and says, Hey, Ed, I know your heart, and I know that it's good, and I want to see you be the leader that you can be, but you were way out of line. We have to fix that, but we're going to do what we can to help you get back. And if you guys have been in that situation before, no matter what that looks like, you will know how exciting that is because somebody cares enough about you to help you right at the beginning of the, of the punishment and the discipline, that there's hope there. And that's exciting. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's, I think that's super exciting that we get to have that. And so, but what happens a lot of time with our sin nature is even when we receive that hope, we still focus on the wrong thing. We have this, this unique ability to focus on the wrong thing. That's what sin does. Sin just shifts our focus consistently so that we focus on the wrong thing. Even from Adam and Eve living in God's presence, it shifts the focus to living and focusing on things that we don't have. One of the best examples I can come up with this 
is also something that happened to me this Thanksgiving. <laughs> so over Thanksgiving, uh, it's one of my favorite holidays, but it's also one of my least favorite holidays. It's kind of this, this give and take with Thanksgiving because of one main reason. And it's the eating schedule, okay? All right, bear with me. Now, if there's any guys in here that, that know what I'm saying, don't speak up because your wife's probably sitting next to you, okay? So what I mean by that is usually over Thanksgiving, the food schedule just becomes completely shifted and focused around what? The Thanksgiving meal. Am I right? So what happens then if, if you're not too excited, if you're not too keen on the meals, then Wednesday night meal suffers because all of the prep work is being done for thir- Am I right? So Wednesday night... Wednesday night, you have to fend for yourself. You eat cereal, you do whatever you need to, you just you fill up, you, you just get a little bit of food in you because you're so hungry because there's not a meal that's being cooked, right? So the wives, the women are doing all the great work, which is awesome. They're focused on that, which, which is great. But poor old me is left to eat Reese's Puffs Wednesday night. And so that's just, that's tough. And so I, I for me, I'm like, what in the world? I'm excited for this turkey, but man, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. So Wednesday night, I, I start to get hungry, and I just fill up with whatever I can, with, with chips or with Reese's Puffs and whatever's in the fridge, but it's been there for like four months or whatever, just so I have some food in my stomach so I don't pass out by the morning. Am I right? So then in the morning time it comes, and since it's Thanksgiving, this year I got up at about 8, 8.30. The boys were up, and people were having fun and stuff, and now it's time for breakfast. Well, you know I'm not going to go in the kitchen and try and get breakfast because there's major cooking going down, right? So no breakfast is going to happen. So then when is lunch supposed to happen? At noon. Well, you guys see the problem here? Now it's been about, it's been about 16 to 18 hours since solid food has gone into the stomach. And I'm starting to really just want to eat my arm, right? Anybody else? Nobody else has ever felt this way before. So this year I kind of slipped it into Kyle's mind that maybe it would be a good idea to get some cheese and sausage going, you know, in the morning so everybody would be okay. Mainly I would be okay to have some food before, before we ate Thanksgiving dinner. And this, what, <laughs> what happens is, is that. That's what I've done my whole, obviously, you know, I'm a bigger guy, so I like to eat. But my, but my whole life and Thanksgiving, it's always kind of been like that. When I was uh, 15 years old, the funniest Thanksgiving memory that I have in my past was my dad, my dad came back from uh, work, he was working, uh, driving truck, and he came back, and he was home for Thanksgiving, and he was so pumped, because he had just gotten this brand new grill at Menards, and it had a smoker inside of it, well, my dad didn't really know how to use it very well, and so his first thing he was going to do was the Thanksgiving turkey, and he started it like the night before, and he was smoking it and smoking it, and we were going to eat lunch at about 11 or 12, and what happened was, is somehow the smoker, he could not figure out how to work it. So the turkey did not get done until about 7 at night on Thanksgiving. And I remember being so hungry and just so grumpy that I ate popcorn, I ate cereal, I ate all the snacks in my room. I went downstairs to the pantry and I ate like canned peaches because I was so hungry that it was just like, it was the longest time ever. And what happened actually that Thanksgiving is this turkey was harder than a leather shoe. I mean, it tasted like eating shoe leather. So if any of you guys need a leather turkey at any time, talk to my dad. It was, it's one of the funniest memories. I never let him forget it. So what happened is that Sunday, my mom went and she made an actual turkey and made us real Thanksgiving dinner. But, but isn't that what happens? 
Maybe if that doesn't happen to you, it happens to me. But in other situations, that happens to all of us. As we shift our focus from the good things, from the Thanksgiving meal, the turkey, to, man, I'm so hungry. I, I shift my focus like that. That means I was just so focused on food, on what I was going to eat, instead of focusing on how good this turkey was going to be, how good this meal was going to be. And guys, that's what we do sometimes in our own lives, in our relationship with God. We can focus on what we don't have about this next loan that we have to take out about our finances. We can focus on, on uh, this, this opportunity and all these other things that are coming up instead of really focusing on the depth and relationship with God that he's called us and asked us to have. That's what sin does, and it shifts our focus, and it will ruin a Thanksgiving meal, but it will also ruin this deep relationship with God that, that he's asked us to have in our lives. So the most important piece is that the past shows us this need for a Savior. As, as we continue to, to look at, at what God's plan was, we see right on the outset that there was a need for a Savior, that there's this need for someone to save us of our sins, that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot have a reconnection with God unless it's through a Savior. God's promise is that we have a Savior. The thing about God's promise is it's an extended promise. It's not, you know, like a, a McDonald's promise. It's not just a here, here you go all of a sudden. But it's an extended promise. It's a promise that God promised in the very beginning, right on the outset of the fall, and something that was extended throughout the, old, uh, throughout the Old Testament until we see Jesus. We see God make a way and draw people close to him, and then we see Jesus come and be the final atonement for all of our sins. Jesus, Jesus is the one the people are searching for. The, the scholars and all those religious people of the day were so focused in trying to find a Savior, they would consistently look and they would try and find. But what happens, as we see in the New Testament, is when the Savior comes... Their focus is wrong. And they don't even realize that the Messiah is right in front of them. So I want to focus in a little bit on what it looks like for us to really know who the true Messiah is. Uh, There are over 300 prophecies uh, made about the Messiah in the Old Testament. We don't have time to look at all those today. Praise the Lord, right? So I want to look at one main one. And this is one that I can clearly say that all of you have never done. And I have never done. And nobody that I know has ever done this. Okay? We're going to talk about the virgin birth. (laughs) If anybody's done that in here, can I see your hands? Nobody was born of a virgin? Okay. Good. I just wanted to make sure. You never know. It was a joke. Nobody was born. Oh, man. That's okay. I'm still waking up today. So the virgin birth. I want to show this scripture here in Isaiah. And this is a prophecy of the virgin birth coming. In Isaiah seven fourteen, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and we will call him Emmanuel. There, were, there was a lot of speculation about what the Messiah was going to look like, about different things that were going to happen, and everybody knew it was going to be different. But this bold prophecy comes forth, and people are like, how is this going to happen? We see this happened, this, this virgin birth. And then in Matthew 1, through 23, the fulfillment of the prophecy, it says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Guys, Jesus was the one that they prophesied about. 
the, the Pharisees and a lot of the people of the day didn't realize that because their focus was wrong. And there's a lot of people in our world today that have that same focus where their focus is not on necessarily the things of God and so they don't see Jesus. I know as a Christian, sometimes my focus can get wrong and I don't necessarily see Christ the way that I need to. It's Christ. He was the plan. Just so that we're all clear that it was Christ, I want to lay out a little bit of a a mathematical probability for you guys. Um, With all of the... Anybody here do March Madness? Anybody in here do the March Madness brackets? Nobody fills those out? A few of you guys have filled those out before? Okay. There's how many teams? 64, right? Is that right? 64 teams? There's 64 teams. Has anyone in here ever gotten one completely correct? No. I didn't think so. Maybe Pastor Eric would have because he knows everything about everything, especially college stuff. But we, but that's so, that's so hard. That's a big prediction thing in our culture, but people don't ever get those right. The people that study those don't ever get those right. When I was in college, it's the only time I ever did one because my, my team of leaders decided that we needed to do it, and I was with a bunch of girls, and, man, they just destroyed me. They, like, picked on, like, the color of the jerseys and on the names that they liked and all this stuff. And I'm like, how did you get a better score than I did? And like, they don't even know anything about basketball at all, but that's, but it's true. That's just how it is. So predictions are really hard. They're really hard to figure out. Well, I want to look at the mathematical probability of what it looks like for Jesus to fulfill just eight prophecies. Okay. I'm going to throw this up on the screen. That, that, that is that probability. That's eight that is 10 to the 17th power. Look at all those zeros. That word is called a quintillion. Everybody say quintillion. Quintillion. Okay, I've never heard this word before, but that's a lot of zeros. Am I right? So if that doesn't do anything for you, I brought a snack because I get hungry. No, I want you to look at this. You guys all familiar with Thin Mints? Yeah, <laughs> these guys are familiar with Thin Mints. Oh, yeah, Thin Mints. But Thin Mints, I'm going to pull a Thin Mint out here. So if we were to take one Thin Mint, you know, to symbolize the number one in our equation, if we were to take these Thin Mints, a quintillion Thin Mints would be enough Thin Mints to cover the entire state of Texas, two feet deep. And yeah, so that's how, that's the number that we're talking about. The entire state of Texas. Has anybody driven through Texas? Dude, that's a long time. Okay, the entire state of Texas, two feet deep. Now, the probability for, for one man to fulfill eight, eight prophecies is if you take one of these and you lick it, and so it's white, and then you throw it in the state of Texas. And then you blindfold yourself. Well, first you stir up the whole state of Texas with all those thin mints, and then you blindfold yourself, and you go and you try and find that one, one thin mint. That is the mathematical probability of what it would look like for one person to fulfill just eight prophecies. See, Jesus didn't just fulfill eight prophecies. He even fulfilled 29 prophecies in one day. This is the kind of God that we serve. This is the Messiah that we serve, who is beyond all of our wildest dreams, who was the plan, who was the one who was there for us on the outset. Through all of our problems, through thick and thin, he's the one who says, I've made a way for you. This God has made a way for us. And even when we're distracted, even when we're not looking, 
He has still made a plan for us. And it's one of the most beautiful things that I've ever got to see in my entire life. I've been doing junior high youth ministry now here for a couple of years, and it's been a huge blessing. We've seen so many students in that time come to have personal relationships with Jesus Christ. And when I see some of these kids on their knees asking Christ to be the Lord and Savior of their lives, it's beautiful. And, And you know when there's a true conversion, when that heart changes and something is different. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever experienced is to see that happen and to see it be genuine in students' lives. Because that's what God is after. That's why he sent Jesus, because all of us have sinned. Romans says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus was the plan. He was the plan from the beginning that we would have this Savior, that God would send his only son to come into our lives and to save us from this sin. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That is so powerful for us. This just makes my heart happy. That's why I'm here today. That's why I'm here standing before you today to to bring you this message because this is what has happened in my life. And no matter how good of a speaker I am or how crazy of a speaker I am or how maybe awful of a speaker I am, don't tell Pastor Jeff, he's not here. This is what's true. I want, if there's one thing you get today, it's that Jesus was the plan and that he wants desperately to live inside of you and to be inside of you to allow the new creation to come. But the reality is, is even when that new creation comes, we still live in a world full of sin, and we consistently need to have our focus be on Christ and not be on that sin. It happens to all of us. That is why it's so important for us to make sure that we're looking at our past and evaluating where we are so Christ continues to bring us reality and truth. I want to share a little bit with you about my story today, about this last year in my life. Um, this is really, you know, real and true for me to, to preach this to you today because I've had, a, I've had a, an interesting year, let's just say that. I don't need to say the word, well, it's been tough. Can I say that? Is that okay? I don't mean to make you feel sorry for me, but it's been a tough year. There's been a lot of big things that have happened uh, in my life in this last year, and I just want to tell you about a few of them. Uh, you know, at one point I was in the hospital for about a week. Uh, I was hospitalized. Um, just things that I've been struggling with, you know, consistently uh, is just where God has called me. And just my first, you know, two years in ministry, that's a huge battle and a, and a struggle just to continue to hold true to the call that God has and to find my way and my place in that. And this is a great place to do that. Um, there's been some unsettled disciplines in my own life, which led to some financial problems uh, that I've caused for myself. Uh, and then, you know, on top of some of those other things, I got married, right? <laughs> that's not bad, but that's just a huge life change, especially from when you're struggling with some things personally and then, and then getting married. Uh, and then a couple of months ago, uh, my wife and I had a miscarriage. Uh, that was a really, a really hard thing to deal with within our first six months of marriage. Um, and, and then I, I got into a pretty bad, uh, pretty bad car accident about a month ago, October, October 26th. And I want to show you a few pictures here. I don't know if you guys can see these. Uh, this, uh, 
this is a, a gravel road. Kylan and I moved just a little ways uh, out of town, and we live off of a gravel road. I'm very, very, very city. I've never grown up in the country. I've never really driven on gravel roads at all. So grow, going out there, I was a little nervous. You know, there's wild animals. Things get into our trash. Um, our first week there, something threw up on the top of my car. It's like vomit and stuff. <laughs> That's a true story. Yeah, it's it's not that funny, okay? Now you laugh. Thanks. Okay. And it was pretty funny. And I go, and so I I drive my car to the the car wash, and the kid that's there, he was was probably in high school, he's like, yeah, man, something threw up on your car. Like, yeah, man, that's why I'm getting a car wash. Thanks. He's like, that's nasty. Thanks for cleaning it, man. Appreciate it. So, So I live out in the country a little ways. Big adjustment. Uh, and so what happened was, is Kyle Lynn was doing a girls' retreat uh, Saturday morning, October 26th, and I came in to help her get everything set up with that. And so we were getting everything set up, and I leave. She goes to do her girls' retreat with all the women and all the girls, and I leave, and it's about 6.30, so I'm going home for the day. I was going to sleep. I was going to just, you know, fend for myself, eat some pizza probably or whatever, and I'm just going home. And I was driving along. I was a little frustrated. Um, I was going a little bit fast. And when I made the transfer from the pavement to the gravel, uh, I started to lose control. And this is where I lost control. If you can see this picture, uh, this is the corn. Yeah, I lost control, and I, f- I ended up flipping the car uh, into the corn. This is the corn field. Uh, that was where the road was, and this is a further-in shot. I, the car landed right about here. It's probably about 50 or so yards from where I left the road. I, I can't tell you exactly what happened. I know I flipped Uh, between three to five times, most likely. Um, But what happened for me as I was was getting to this place, God just spoke so much. It's one of those moments where God just speaks a thousand different things into your heart in in the span of like a second. I started to lose control, and all I heard, I heard God say, I heard myself say, wow, what a waste. Wow. What a waste. If this is how my life is going to end, you know, I'm first waste of a car, waste of my day, waste of my life. If this is how my life is going to end, what a waste. Why would I focus my life on things that I was frustrated in and, and emotions that I had and all these other things other than what God has asked me to do? What a waste. God, I'm sorry for wasting my time and my life on all these other things. And as I, as I started to flip, I heard the crunch, and as I was in the air, I just felt God's, I just, my heart said, God, I trust you. I need you, and I love you, and I know that no matter what happens, I trust you. If I end up in heaven or if I end up here, I trust you, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for wasting, you know, <laughs> the six months of my marriage. I'm sorry for all this stuff, for if my life is to end, it was such a waste. But I'm sorry, but I trust you no matter what. And my heart just cried out, God, I trust you. And I started to flip, and then at one point, right before the car landed, I hit my head really hard on the ceiling, and I saw a really bright light. And that's when I thought, it was it. I'm done. Time's done here on earth. And my heart just said, God, I trust you. You're my focus. When I was pushed, when, when things happened in my life, that's what came out. Even though my focus may not have been in the right place for the time, for some time before that, my heart was still had the focus of God, you're the most important thing. And through that, it helped me refocus. And what happened is everything stopped and I landed. And uh, here's a picture of the car. 
uh, the car ended up, this is the first picture that I actually was able to took, which is why I show this first. Um, the car landed on its, on its driver's side like this. Um, and it was, a huge, it was a huge miracle I was able to come to. My phone actually did not break. I was able to locate it, turn the lights on. I found my broken glasses. Um, I was able to stand up and push my way through the, the passenger side door and uh, get up. And actually, I sat on the car right here for about five minutes, and I just cried, and I just prayed, and I said, God, please just help my focus and my vision just be on you. And then I talked to my wife, and then I called the cops, and there was actually like four or five people that drove by. They didn't even see me. It was still dark out. They didn't see me sitting in this cornfield. So God made a way that, you know, I was okay. Because if, I, because if something would have happened where I wouldn't have been able to move, I would have been there for quite some time. So this next picture is pretty intense. This is what the car looks like from the front. Um, yeah, so when I went to go see the car, I just could not believe because I hadn't seen the front. We had just snuck over the top and saw it. So this is what it looks like. You can show this last picture. This is most likely where the car caught the edge. Um, when I look at things, yeah, when I, and this is where I landed. When I look at things like this, it just awakens the need for God in my life. Not that some crazy tra- tragedy should draw you to him, but it's an opportunity for a wake-up call. It's an opportunity for a light to be shining in your life, just like the fall, just like whatever tragedy you face in your life that says, hey, it's God knocking on your heart saying, hey, where's your focus been? Has it been at that sin or has it been on the things that I've asked you and called you to do? Where has your focus been today? That's the most important piece. As, as this happened for me in my life, God really just continued to speak, Ed, I want you to live this. And I want this to be true and real in your life is John fifteen four, Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. My focus needs to be on Christ and on the things God has asked me to do. Not on all this other stuff. Some of this other stuff can be good. But the focus has to be exactly on what God has called me to be in that truth in my heart, in that devotional time, in, in the growing with Christ. Family is good. Our job is good. All these other things, ministry, all this other stuff is good. But the most important piece is our focus has to be on Christ. That's what he's asked us to do. And that's what he's called us to do. And I pray that for each one of you, you don't have to go through a situation like this or a situation that's as difficult maybe as as I've had to see those things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a knucklehead sometimes. I'm hard-headed. So God has to beat me over the head sometimes with hard situations so I get the point. That's just how I am. I just pray that that's not what's happening in your heart. And I just ask that today, as we are about to go into a time of prayer, that you just open your hearts and just say, God, what is it that you're asking me to do? What is it that I need to shift my focus on and that God would just speak to you today? Will you guys just, will you pray with me? Will you bow your heads? As we pray, God, I thank you for today. I thank you so much for what you're doing in our hearts and our lives. And I just ask that you would just allow each one of us in this place to have our focus be on you. For each one of us to shift our focus from whatever we came in this room with to you, into your heart, into your love, that we would just give you our best and that we wouldn't need some crazy tragedy to open our eyes to realize that we strayed from you, but that, God, we would today realize we need to abide in you, to remain in you, and to be connected to you.
Help us right now as we go into this time of worship, just be challenged to seek you in new ways, in true ways, God. We love you.